The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Citizen, the unofficial The Flash podcast, a poppychularadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Wednesday, October 9th, 2019, and I'm your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, The Flash. Please welcome my co-hosts, Millie Wood. Hello. Dimitri Rejasinger. What's good, Central City? And Jeffrey Aruz. Welcome back, everybody. Let's jump into our recap of Season 6, Episode 1, which was titled Into the Void and aired October 8, 2019. Here's the official synopsis. While Barry and Iris deal with the loss of their daughter, the team faces a threat that threatens to destroy all of Central City. Meanwhile, Killer Frost has a brush with death that will change her relationship with Caitlin forever. Thum, thum, thum. Let's check in with the ratings for Season 6, Episode 1. The episode was viewed by 1.63 million total viewers and had a 0.6 in the demo rating. Both those numbers are steady from last year's season average and match the season finale. So it seems a lot of people were missing Flash, but what about our hosts? Millie, you're new. What did you think about the episode? I think overall that it's a promising start for Season 6. Um, I think Season 5 was a, a little rough in my opinion, so... Six is definitely, um, it has some good tidbits. I'm excited kind of of the big bads that they've introduced. And definitely, of course, they're, they're teasing the crossover. So I think that'll be really exciting to see how um, that's going to impact the first half of the Flash season. Dimitri, what was your initial reaction to the episode? I felt like this was a fantastic return to form for the Flash. I also felt like uh, season five had its issues. Um, there was Nora that was the issue but like it i felt like everyone sort of had a return to the characters we sort of fell in love with over the earlier seasons um so yeah it felt it felt like a change in tone because i almost felt like the last couple of seasons had really gone away from that i don't know if the staff changed or something but whatever it is it's working i'm here for it well there is a new showrunner this season so we may see some uh, some changes as a result of that uh jeffrey what was your initial reaction Oh, that's lovely. I like that. Uh, can I just say my initial reaction to your synopsis? I, I missed the Canadian snarky version of it. So, um, Well, the thing is, okay. every other show goes with the official synopsis, whereas I was always you know, writing out my versions of the synopsis, which tended to be lengthy and detailed. So this time I thought I would go with the actual official synopsis, and I was stunned by just how short it was. Yes, well, I I miss the Professor X edition, the Professor X special. But anyway, I'm sure Canadian Snark will appear at some point during the podcast. I love it. Uh, hopefully, thrown at Dimitri. But uh, I will say, I I loved it. It was fun. It felt very throwbackish after sort of like a couple of seasons where um, maybe they they went a little too dark, then they went a little too campy slash comedic, and uh, they were trying to find the right balance last season, but it did go a little dark. And uh, so far, it, it seems uh, like they figured out the proper balance to it all. And uh, it was a lot of fun. There were a couple little things that maybe sort of bugged me. I, I still am griping about a, a certain storyline that I really don't understand why they had to go there. But we got an awesome new character. We got a great tease for Crisis. And we had some wonderful West Allen moments that at least I approved of. So overall, very good. If you're a newcomer to the podcast, Jeff is referring to, he doesn't like the fact that uh, uh, Cisco is dating um, uh, his his new love because, of course, Jeff wants Caitlin to end up with Cisco. But, no, um, no, you, it was, was a, a long summer, positive. Professor. You, that was that's Dimitri. That wants no, that. no, I, I'm pretty sure that was you. I'm uh, Dimitri. It was always Jeff that was was Team Kate Co. Right? Facts on facts. Yeah. See. 
That's gosh. two against one, and, and Billy wasn't here to uh, argue against us. So well, there you go. Well, it, you it, know, is, it is fake news. Fake it, news. It is funny. Millie, how... Real quick, this is a hundred percent a lie. I'm worried she's like having a breakdown right now. He just said it was Dimitri. What's it going on? <laughs> to our viewers and to Dimitri, uh, to uh, Millie, that uh, I am traditionally the Kate co-shipper, but we will discuss that in more detail later on. See, that was called um, the comedic stylings, but uh, you're stand-up comedian. Comedian, you're supposed to know this, but it, it is funny that we couldn't go four minutes into the new season without a Keiko reference. Yes, well, perhaps that will. You're be always. The last. It won't be the last. Um, as for me, I wasn't as crazy about this episode, and I don't know why. It, it sometimes, oh. you know, I just watch it, you know, at, at night after it's aired, and, and I, I'm just not into it. There was a lot that, that took me out of the episode. I'm I'm curious to see how I feel about it after we've had a chance to talk about it. You guys may be able to talk me around to it. Uh, but before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of The Flash, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash Radio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. Uh, we get a brief pickup after the end of last season with Barry and Iris seeing Nora's last message, uh, and then they see it being destroyed. Then we quickly jump forward a few months, so the Flash is essentially in sync with our calendars, and that's important because, as we'll see at the end of the episode, we find out the date December 10th is going to be very significant. Uh, December 10th, 2019. Um, so, uh, as I said, Flash is in sync with us. Before we get to Godspeed, uh, who is presented as sort of our, our first uh, bad meta that we encounter, what do you guys think about the way they seem to wrap up the Nora arc? Uh, and also a little bit about how the, uh, the reverberations from Nora played out through the episode. Uh, Dimitri, you're our big uh, Nora hater. Uh, did you like the fact that they even referenced her? Or how did you like how... Uh, uh, Barry and uh, and Iris were handling that, and just the tone that it gave to the episode. I was, um, I, I felt like Nora. There, there were like reverberations of mediocrity through the episode, and it, I, I'm of two minds of it because I feel like I really don't want you to reference Nora because, oh my god, that character was annoying. But also, you can't have like two normal human sort of quote-unquote parents who are like totally fine with the loss of their child like we wouldn't see barry and iris the same way if they were just like man you win some you lose some so i i i was kind of like optimistic when we saw that beginning where they were like look we're fine like you know we'll, we'll see nora again um and I, i'm not sure if that's completely true but I was like, oh, okay, the, the the writers found a way to get around the fact that nobody misses that character. Um, 
But, uh, and real quick, if you're new to the podcast this season, I do think the actress did a fantastic job. I just thought the writing of that character was hella cringe. But um, I I feel like I, I was kind of disappointed when, like, it, it sort of, you, you see it sort of leading up to the fact that they're both hiding their grief and they, they both have, like, sort of mini grief explosions. It, it did feel human. Like, like I said, it would feel disingenuous if they totally glossed over the loss of Nora. Um, but I really hope we don't waste too much time dwelling over the loss of Nora. It might be cool, but I think the show's better for it. Uh, yeah, I uh, agree. Anyone else have any thoughts about how they dealt with uh, Nora's legacy? I thought it was very real. Uh, I, I thought uh, it was very grown up, the, the way that they did it. Um, the fact that um, th- that they they were both experiencing grief and trying to run away from grief in very in a very different kind of way um and uh i like the realization uh, later on in the episode that they had to basically they have to accept the grief they can't push it aside just because um you know there is the idea of potentially having nora in the future you still have to grieve for the noah the, the noah the nora that they experienced and um i, I like that they realize that they have to they have to share their grief together. They they are a couple, um, so um, I I like that. It felt very grown up. I like that it didn't bog the episode down because they could have like swung into the very dark direction, but they figured out how to properly balance the light and the darkness in uh, the episode. Can I make a horrible joke? Sure. Jeff, you can't call Nora Noah because that character actually had an arc. Oh my god, that was good. Thank you, brother. Okay. I, I was low-key proud of that. We might have I, to go to one of your really comedy good. shows. That was that, very good. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so sorry, Millie, that it kind of descends into this quite often. Um, anyway, as mentioned, uh, the speedster Godspeed is menacing Central City at the start of the episode, but it's not the Godspeed we met before. It turns out this is the fourth fake Godspeed to attack the city over the course of the summer, again, giving us that sense that time has actually passed in Central City. The Flash team has been doing stuff. Uh, Millie, what did you think about uh, the high-speed fight scene, and do you have any thoughts on what it means that the Godspeeds that they capture are all unable to speak? I really enjoyed the, like, how it kind of kicked off. Um, I am not too well-versed in the whole, like, comic lore of Godspeed, but from what I know from The Flash, um, I think it will be an interesting foe for Barry. The whole fourth one, not really speaking uh, any coherent language, um, I definitely feel like the monitor has to have some kind of hand in this. Um, I feel like everything's going to kind of be connected to the crisis on that. Um, they're just kind of sending them there. So I think that'll, be, that'll pose an interesting question and kind of an interesting battle for them. Um, if they keep getting sent the same kind of villain, but they all are different variations of it. Uh, anyone else want to weigh in on Godspeed? I okay. was, no, 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 I was going to say, I was fascinated by it. Like, it was a little plot point at the start of the episode that we did not see anything else of later on in the episode. I do feel like it has to be crisis adjacent, um, but I thought it was fascinating. I mean, he sounded like dial-up, which I was like, okay. Um, I was like, is he human? Like, is he being controlled by someone? Is, is he? Is this a teaser for Crisis, or is this a teaser for what's to come in the second half of the season? Yeah, it's entirely possible. I think there is a danger that we we immediately jump to Crisis every time we see something, you know, to jump ahead a little bit. When, you know, the black hole started appearing, I thought, aha, Crisis, and nope, nope, not not Crisis, just ordinary meta of the week. So I don't know about that, but it could be that, you know, if you argue that, you know, uh, you know, Barry is being tested, he's being prepared uh, in the way that was mentioned uh, last season. One way to do that would be by sending, you know, other speedsters against him to keep challenging him and, and forcing him to get faster and get better. So it, it is possible that it's that, but I think we'll have to wait and see. But obviously this is not, you know, just a, a random throwaway moment. The fact they mentioned there's four of them means that there's got to be more to this uh, than, uh, than just a, uh, a random meta. Uh, there was a brief backyard scene at Joe and Cecile's house. One thing, you know, we, we've often said 
on the podcast is, you know, uh, you know, loving the character moments because, you know, they spent, you know, we're in our sixth season. Uh, they spent the time, meaning the writers, to develop the characters. We've spent the time getting to know the characters. The actors have all gotten to know those characters. And so it's nice to see Team Flash having uh, a moment of quiet time. And, and maybe it's, you know, the last one they're going to get as the season is kicking off. You know, I can't see them. Uh, you know, by the end of this episode, having much time to kick back. Uh, so, Jeff, what did you think about the uh, the uh, the backyard uh, barbecue scene? Oh, so much fun. We typically see scenes like this, uh, like during the holidays and that sort of thing, like when they have a party or or something, um, you know, major is happening, like like an announcement or that sort of thing. So it was great to see them on their day off, basically, just having fun together, kicking back and that sort of thing. This is probably where the... Um, Cisco isn't vibe things started to bug me and it reminded me of that horrible storyline from last season uh but uh outside of that yeah uh, I know yeah. it just doesn't make any sense and it was so stupid and it's I don't get it um unless he's gonna die in crisis but that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day but uh it, it was it was nice it was a great little moment for everybody to to bond i mean we love these characters so seeing them together and happy was really nice even though the fact that they all left and they left poor camilla there to clean up after everybody even though joe did throw the little shade where he was like nobody's gonna clean up like i i, I liked that moment it was fun it was also you know subtle the uh, the idea you know I've we've mentioned before in, in television, the idea of show, not tell this was able to show how Camilla has integrated herself, uh, into yes. the team and not, not as, you know, a member of the team, but you know, she's privy to all of their secrets. Cause at the beginning, I was yeah. thinking, Wait a second, does she know the Barry is the flash? And, that was... and so this, this showed that she is, you know, definitely, you know, a part of their social circle, which I thought was a nicely done little bit. It was interesting that she, she knows that Barry is the flash. And, uh, because, they haven't really been dating that much. Camilla and, and Cisco, that is. So it, it was... No, about four months in Showtime. So. Yeah, so it's... I mean, Barry is the type of person that will tell anybody at the drop of a hat that he is the Flash. But it, it just felt like a bit much. Like, I found... Like, that was something that bugged me. Like, the first time she was like, go, Barry. I'm like, you're not really supposed to know that yet. Um, uh, as, uh, as Jeff mentioned, uh, Joe throws some shade because everyone makes an excuse to get out of the barbecue at the end, uh, maybe just to avoid the cleanup, but it turns out Caitlin does have a pretty good excuse, uh, which is the funeral of a friend's mother, uh, which allows us to meet Dr. Ramsey Rosso, who we know is going to be a big bad this season. Uh, Millie, what did you think about the character, uh, his introduction, uh, and his relationship with Caitlin, both at the cemetery and at Jitters? I was super excited about his introduction, um, and I love how it was like the connection with Caitlin because I feel like Caitlin through the show hasn't really gotten the best storylines and she's always cast it off and um, kind of going down random routes, I feel. So I, I really enjoy how she's going to be connected to one of the big bads. And I think that his whole backstory and kind of their relationship, I'm really interested to see. For a second, I thought they were going to do the whole, you know, Caitlin has another uh, love interest that's going to be a big bad and go against them. But I think that they're kind of going a different route. But um, I really like how that's going to be their end. And I'm super excited. I think the, the actor seemed really intriguing and I like how um, – they're going to go about on that kind of route. Yeah, I agree. I, I was totally thinking they were going to do that. And, and, you know, they have certainly done that well with Caitlin before. On the bright side, you know, if Caitlin did date him, he'd be dead by the end of the season. So that would take care of your big bad. Uh, but uh, especially when they had that moment at the uh, the uh, the funeral where he says, hey, you know, want to come by for a cuppa. Uh, and then it turns out he is mm -hmm. just using her for access to dark matter. So it's not going to be a... Uh, uh, our relationship. And like you, I, I really liked uh, the actor who's playing it. He gives me a very David Tennant vibe. Uh, you know, uh, if next time you're watching, just uh, take a look at, you know, not just in the look, but in the voice. And, and he sort of has that, you know, uh, that uh, a dangerous charm uh, that Tennant had when he was uh, the purple man on Jessica Jones. Uh, anyone else uh, have any comments on uh, Ramsey Rosso uh, and his potential role as Big Bad? If Caitlyn doesn't date him, I might. The brother is dreamy. Like, I'm not usually attracted to men, but that was Brown James Bond. Like, damn. I, I'm judging Caitlyn for not dating him. But uh, I am really excited to, to see him on the show. I've, he's one of those people I've heard about on Twitter a lot and seems to have a lot of, uh, like, the respect of the the other people he works with. I think he's on New Amsterdam 
Uh, and I, I think he's been on another show that's pretty popular. He was on Heroes. He was on Heroes. That's there we go. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see what he what he brings to the to the show. Uh, I was kind of worried that it was going to be another. Caitlyn has like a, a ill chosen love interest plotline, but it, I, I was I was also relieved to see it see it not go that way. And I don't know the guy brings a certain uh, realism. Uh, that I felt um, was a was a little shady with Cicada and and Cicada. Um, man, that that last season was rough. But yeah, I'm really excited for Big Bad. Are you gonna have paintings of him in your house too? I don't have paintings of Cicada. No, of uh, of Doctor of Doctor Ramsey. Oh, oh! I mean, you you could you could do worse with your interior decor. I'm just saying. Is it just me? The brother's handsome. Oh no, no, he's he's definitely a good-looking guy. I will say, he's fascinating. Like throughout the entire episode, uh, his storyline was very isolated. Uh, clearly, I mean, they brought in Caitlyn, but when we saw him again, like he was doing his own thing, and we all know—at least I, I think we all knew—that he was going to be uh, a, a big bad. Um, and uh, he was—he was fascinating. I, I really like him. Um, I and, and a very sympathetic, um, or, em- or or a villain we can. Um, empathize with based off of his situation at least i felt um yeah i I liked his scenes with caitlin a lot and even though the second was a little tense um like you completely understood why he wanted what he wanted over the couple and also sorry go ahead dimitri oh no um i was gonna say two things one i was a little unclear from uh that like scene where he injects himself does he also have the disease, or is he just testing the cure on himself? Yeah, yeah well, that's, that's what I was going to say, is that we got that reveal. So up to that point, it just seemed like he was, you know, the arrogant doctor who was out to outdo his mother and everything like that. But what we did find out in that, uh, that uh, closing scene was that he does have the same thing that caused his mother to have the disease. Okay. So, uh, you know, so it is, you know, uh, partially him searching for a cure, which one could argue is, is more selfish than... Uh, you know, uh, just searching for a cure for the the good of it. But I, I do think it, you know, humanizes him as a character. You know, what we would be willing to do to save our own lives. Yeah, and then he turns sure. into Venom. Oh, uh, exactly. But, like, but but like, real quick, for a second though, for a second, like in that debate between him and Caitlin, like, would anyone actually side with Caitlin? Like, I know. Could... What? No, I'm saying I know, and yeah, I like, love me some Caitlyn, and I know that you have problems with Caitlyn, and especially the other side of her. Yeah, but um, that like that her argument, I get that it was supposed to be like, oh, I see you have good intentions, but you're going too far, and it's supposed to be that storyline. But I'm like, I would totally side with him if he's, if you're gonna be like, I can cure your cancer, but you're gonna become a metahuman. As long as you disclose that, like, yeah, I you know, think you put it everyone the... would be like, cool, cure my cancer. Like, yeah, you put it in the release or something. Yeah. Small print at the end. This, you know, may cause drowsiness or metahuman abilities. Sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think at the same time, though, Caitlin understands um, kind of the downside of being a metahuman and not necessarily the positive. So I kind of see where she's coming from, not wanting to have to subject somebody to that kind of lifestyle because you see the way that the whole, like, Killer Frost and her kind of balancing it. And she just went through, like, Cisco get, getting rid of his powers, like, the whole idea, like, it's not all made up to what it's being. I think it's the angle she's coming from, but definitely get, like, you turn down the, the opportunity to cure cancer, but, you know, there's downsides of being a metahuman. And if you look sure. at Caitlin's life for the past five years, it's been every week fighting a meta uh, and then locking them away mysteriously uh, in an underground prison, which is completely extrajudicial. Extra uh, but no, I think it's under, it would be understandable for, uh, for Caitlin to be reluctant to you know, see the birth of more metas given all the troubles that they've caused, not just her and Killer Frost, but you know, all the ones that have you know, threatened the city and, and threatened her friends. But like, you should also be reluctant to see more cancer, like... Given the choice, like yeah, but it struck me this was a pretty rare cancer. That, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, it, I, mean, it, I mean, we're not saying this real? was going to cure all cancer. This was just one specific type. Sure, and this is 
I assumed, but I don't want to like assume. Like this is a made-up type of cancer for the show, or oh yeah, it's not. Yeah, like, there, I was there, like, there is no cancer that I know of that actually liquefies you from the inside out. Yes, that's even by cancer standards horrifying. Yeah, I was just just making sure. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I think we're all in agreement that uh, you know uh, Ramsey Rosso. We want to see more of him. He's handsome. He's charming. He's interesting. Uh, and uh, you know, and it also uh, you know, as we mentioned, you know, gives you know uh, a reason for Caitlyn to be a little more front and center uh, on the storyline. So let's stay with Caitlyn for a moment. She has that heart to heart with Ralph after Killer Frost refuses to come out, uh, leading to Ralph playing the uh, role of life coach. And then later, Caitlin and Killer Frost basically agree on what I would call shared custody over their body. So it looks like we're going to get more Killer Frost going forward, less Caitlin this season. Uh, Millie, what did you think about that subplot, and what do you think we can expect going forward as a result of it? I'm on the fence about the subplot. I've always been on the fence about the Killer Killer Frost subplot in general. Um, but if they're going to give her more screen time, I think develop her as a character. I think that'll be interesting to see how they do that and if they can really flesh out a character, but as I said, like I'm really sad that they're just not giving Caitlin enough time in general, and then dividing kind of her her storyline with Killer Frost doesn't really takes less time away to develop the whole Caitlin storyline. But I, I love how Ralph is going to kind of help Killer Frost navigate that. I love the book of Ralph too. Um, I feel like he's kind of the unsung hero of the team. Right, last year was him trying to help Cisco get over the breakup, and now he's going to kind of go through with Killer Frost. I think there's some potential there, so it'll be interesting to see how they go with that. Um, but again, I'm kind of sad that like Caitlyn is a little getting minim- like pushed this side again. Uh, anyone else have uh, some thoughts on uh, the the Killer Frost Caitlyn relationship going forward? Let's leave aside that hideous scene in which you know Caitlyn was talking to herself. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, I I don't know. I I still feel like Killer Frost is a very, if we're considering her a distinct character, she's a very poorly written character. All her lines kind of sound like a like a cheesy like bad guy on like a '60s TV show kind of thing. Um, and I it, it's disappointing because I I feel like Caitlyn, if you look at how she started out in the Flash, where she was kind of pretty unfriendly. Um, and, and sort of, like, couldn't be bothered with Barry, and, like, slowly you get to see, like, the, the sweeter side of her. Like, I feel like they, they've done some interesting things with her character initially, and then she got in this repetitive cycle of basically being the unfortunate girl who really is only there to date the bad guy, and I, um, I feel like now she's sort of getting pushed aside for Killer Frost because maybe people feel she's more of a vanilla character, but I feel like they've put more time into developing her character, and I'd be much more interested to see how she navigates uh, her relationship with Ramsey and uh, sort of maybe conflicted loyalties between her old friend and the Flash or something than I am to see more cheesy bad guidelines from Killer Frost. Might just be me. Oh gosh. Okay, so I'm on the complete opposite side of the coin from both of you. But before I get into that, because I just looked it up because I was curious, but HLH hemophagocytic lymphohistiocytosis is an actual real cancer. Now, I think this is me just really quickly reading via the Google. Shout out to Google. Um, but uh, it, I don't know if 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 their exact description of it is, um, is is for real, real, real in the real world, it does say that um, that it, it does involve immune cells eating other cells. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, uh, if 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 the pain is is what was described in the show, but it is an actual real cancer. So let me just say, yeah, that. but that describes almost any autoimmune disease from lupus on down. So. Well, there you go. So. Okay. My apologies to any survivors of that illness. Well, who are actually, that's the show. what I would say is, you know, I, I think that, you know, a, so it, I'm going to guess it's an extremely rare one because you wouldn't put a common disease in the show for fear of, you know, alienating the people who either have it or who have friends and family who've died from it. So, uh, you, know, you know, as much as we, you know, mock them for, you know, comic book science and stuff like that, I think it's actually more responsible to not use a real world disease in that situation, especially if you're talking, you know, banding around the, the possibility of a cure. Well, that I, I would agree with you there 100%. 
So, talking about Killer Frost. Now, I would say I feel like Caitlyn has gotten some pretty good character development throughout the series. So, I, I don't know where both of you are coming from that uh, that Caitlyn really hasn't gotten much to do. I feel like they've what, given her... That's what I said? Oh, okay. Well, no, because Millie... Well, I guess I'm, I'm... Sorry, Millie, I'm focusing on you, newbie. But, because you had said something to the gist of that she hasn't gotten that much to do in, in, as far as, as a storyline, and they're putting her to the side and that sort of thing. And I feel like they have um, given than um, Caitlyn, a pretty decent arc throughout each season. So I personally don't mind putting Caitlyn to the side and allowing us to get to know Killer Frost a little bit more because she is a part of Caitlyn. Like, it isn't like she isn't Caitlyn. She's been there since the beginning. We know that. And so uh, uh, allowing her to be in the driver's seat, as they called it in this episode, um, will give that character a little bit more development. And, and maybe someone like Dimitri, now I can call you out, might see her as not so much of a one-note type of character if we're allowed to get to know her and she's allowed to, um, you know, sound uh, less like, uh, you know, the villain from that Home Alone movie, uh, movie within the movie, and uh, maybe she'll be a little bit more fleshed out character. So I'm here for more Killer Frost. Uh, I like the new outfit. Um And uh, I, I like that I'm, Ralph I'm is going to be a villain. I like the new outfit. Yeah. It's kind of bomb. Uh, I, I can see people cosplaying as that 100%. Uh, and uh, I like that Ralph is going to be involved in the storyline as well. So, uh, yeah, for me, kudos all around. I really didn't like the new costume. Oh, okay. Well. Um, and, and also, like, you have to remember, they, they, they don't have vibe to get them from place to place, which means that, you know, she to fight the black hole and save people from the black hole, she and Ralph would have had to change in their costume. She would have had to carefully apply all that purple lipstick uh, before they got there. Um, anyway, it just, it was one of those little things that took me out of it that, uh, I wasn't, uh, yeah, again, I'll, I'm, I might have to go back and, and watch the episode again, but yeah, the, uh, her new costume was one of those things that, uh, that took me out of it. It looked like, uh, a cheap cosplay to me, but professor, uh, does it take you me. a long time to apply your lipstick? No, but I mean, I try to go with a fairly natural shade and I don't put it on too thick. Okay. Um, I don't want to look cheap. Well, that is true. Um, anyway, it's time for everyone's favorite time in every podcast, throwing some love towards, uh, Candace Patton. Uh, Iris is putting on a brave face through this episode, but she's obviously feeling the loss of Nora. I think they did a pretty good job, again, the, the show not tell. Uh, you know, maybe they did it a little over the top, but, you know, the way she reacted to the, the loss of the jacket that Nora will one day wear, uh, you know, seeing the, uh, the, the, the picture uh, with excess in it. So we see that on several occasions, and that leads up to her talk with Barry about trying to deal with the loss and realizing that even if a baby Nora is born, it, it won't be the daughter that they'd come to know. Um, we, uh, over on the, the Supergirl podcast, we talked about Melissa Benoist having, you know, a great star turn, uh, with an emotional moment over there. And I think Janice Patton had one that was pretty damn close on this episode. Uh, so what do we all think about Iris in this episode, specifically in that scene, but Iris overall as well? She's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll start it off. She was fantastic. Like, I love me some Candace Patton. We all know, uh, for the most part, we all enjoy Candace Patton. I don't know about the new girl. So we're going to have to wait and see what she has to say. But, uh, yeah, I mean, she just knocked it out the park for me. Like, I, I really felt the emotion uh, from her. And I, would, I will say Grant Gustin as well. Like, he was clearly, his character was doing something completely different to uh, uh, cope with the grief. And I completely felt... Uh, what they were trying to do with Barry uh, and how he was acting. So uh, I, I think they both did a really great job. Candace Patton was just fantastic because she really brought the emotion. I loved uh, her one-on-one -on -one with Cecile. I loved uh, her one-on-one uh, -on -one with Barry. Like uh, even at the um, at the junkyard when she found the jacket. Like, uh, it, it just, it broke my heart. I, like, I might not have been the biggest Nora fan, but, uh, man, like, Candace Patton sold it. And Millie, uh, what are your feelings on Candace Patton in general and Iris in this episode? We may as well get you to nail your colors to the mask right now. I am also a big Candace fan. I think that, <laughs> I think that she is a great actress. I wish that in 
in over the course of the show that she was given a bit more meat to work with. Um, but I think that this episode really allowed her to showcase that. And as much as I'm not also the fan of the Nora storyline, I think that the way that Iris reacted to it and how Candace played it really did allow for those emotional moments, especially with her and Cecile. I'm really kind of coming to the terms of that. And then I'm kind of excited. Um, they're definitely kind of sprinkling in the whole uh, reporter storyline finally hopefully they will stick with it this time and we can definitely see uh, iris operate outside of just being like team flash and being um kind of barry's help and light in that sense so i'm really excited i think that it's putting it her off into the right foot and i hope that she has like more opportunities in the coming episodes to really like uh flex those acting chops and dimitri yeah i um obviously i'm a huge candace Patton fan i We'll basically echo what everyone else said, but add that I'm really glad they didn't stretch out. I was, uh, I had like a nervous moment where like Barry asked her why she was at the junkyard and she lies. And like, I was like, please don't stretch this out to be like a multi-episode revelation that she's said. Um, and it, it did, that sort of felt like pretty disingenuous because these are people who grew up together, like, were best friends before they were, you know, a couple. And you think like if one person's front and the other person could tell. Um, but I mean, I guess they, they sort of wanted to stretch that out through the episode. I'm glad it got resolved this episode. I'm glad it didn't go any further. Um, I was a little disappointed with the, like with the Barry side, uh, I saw a little bit of like sort of the old Flash comeback where he's a little more, you know, happy go lucky, like relentlessly optimistic. Um, and when it's like, oh, well, that's his coping mechanism, I'm like, all right, well, you can address that. Please don't go back to broody knockoff Arrow Barry. I, I really don't need to see another like broody superhero. You already have Arrow for that. Um, so I do hope, even though like they highlighted that he was overdoing it to to cope with his grief that they keep some of that energy for the rest of the season. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to be, you know, not to get ahead. Uh, well, I won't get ahead. I won't talk about what happens at the very end, but no, I agree with you. I'm glad that they dealt with it, you know, fairly quickly, uh, you know, because you can see how, you know, in other seasons or on other Arrowverse shows, this would have been dragged out over six to eight episodes and it just would have brought everything down, you know, uh, in that, that sort of uh, uh, that wallowing uh, that they often do. Yeah. So I haven't mentioned the villain of the week because he wasn't a villain. Uh, Chester Runk is a science-obsessed social media star who accidentally develops the ability to create black holes. The team has to save him, but as I say, he's not really a villain. He's more of a, a problem to be solved. Um, so what did you guys think about Chester uh, and the attempt to save him? Uh, Jeff, what did you think about Chester? Chester is my spirit animal. I, I love him so fucking much. He was so much fun. He's a, a big personality like it was just everything about chester was fan freaking tastic and he gave me the vibes of like those people on youtube that are trying to you know make a name for themselves or maybe certain podcasters and that kind of thing but like he was just fantastic i i loved me some chester i am really glad that we're gonna have him at least for for it looks like a couple of episodes uh, i thought his introduction was really good i don't know about like the sciencey type of stuff like i don't know if any of that is freaking possible it's funny how we had another black hole like did the supergirl people and like the flash people like did they have like lunch or something over the summer and they were like you know what let's do black holes for premiere week i don't know but maybe the uh, offices are right next door and they just heard the words black hole drift over and they thought oh yes we'll yes do. event horizon let's do it although to be fair in mm -hmm. in the case the, this is a comic book based character who actually had the ability to create black holes so there is you know that that, that at least the flash comes by it honestly okay well maybe supergirl they overheard and they were like you know what we should do something like that too it sounds interesting but uh, it, i mean it was just it, it was um i don't well removing the science 
I, I thought they uh, they tried to explain it well. I, I liked the idea of uh, like his consciousness sort of like being a part of the black hole. I thought the effect was, was kind of neat. Although, uh, and this is the only thing that I will ever probably pick on Candace Patton for. Although, if we think about it, maybe Candace Patton is the only human that could do this. I love that at the junkyard, Candace Patton was like pulling that man away from or like holding on to him from like the black hole and like everything else was like flying into the black hole but candace Patton's like upper body strength like held on to that man without pulling her in or pulling her closer like i don't know like it that like i was like really but i was like you know what maybe candace Patton can't do that if anyone can. I know. If you get sucked into a black hole and Candace Patton is holding on to you, you find a way to hold on to Candace Patton. That's that's physics. That's that's 100% science. Hashtag science. Hashtag facts. Uh, anyone else have some thoughts about Chester? Uh, because it does look, as Jeff said, like he'll be sticking around uh, at least for a little while. Uh, well, two things. One, spirit animal is what happens when white people misunderstand Native American culture. So... We're going to wow. minimize the way not to ah, I am, I am not burned by that. that. Uh, well, I will say I am Latino, so I'm not white. Fair enough, fair enough. But in any case, we will minimize the white nonsense because, once again, there's always Arrow. But um, I really <laughs> hope that... <laughs> I think. Speaking I, as the only I'm white devil focused. on the panel, let me just say the spirit animal reference was not from my corner. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. But we got our eye on you. Um, <laughs> um, Iris gives Chester like a science segment in the Central City C- Citizen or something. Like I really want to see like this character just be himself, like at least a couple minutes each episode or something. Like he he's sort of exactly the energy that makes us want to watch The Flash, and exactly the sort of energy that they were lacking the last couple of seasons. Well, and if a certain person is right about, you know, uh, killing off uh, Vibe in crisis, this would give them, you know, uh, a potential replacement, uh, you know, with uh, the energy and the technical mm-hmm. skill um, uh, and the comedic chops uh, to play up. Tis true. Right. Um, and I'm not right. trying to be a Britney. I'm not trying to kill people. But right. You've said it on two podcasts. I know. Right. But here's the thing. And, and I said it on another podcast. I might as well say it on this podcast. Like, I feel like for Crisis to actually appear to be a big damn thing, like the big damn thing that they're trying to make it be, I feel like every show should have a major death. Maybe not Batwoman because it's new, but of the established shows, like, I feel like someone has to die from each of the shows. Like, to make... Killer Frost. No, she's got a whole season arc. I think it should be Barry. Oh, God. Crisis is supposed to kill the Flash. It should kill the Flash. I'm not saying you can't bring him back, you know, but I I think you should kill him and let them deal with an entire half season of the consequences of living in a world without Flash. Well, damn. Better get Wally back, cause no, no Barry and no Wally. That's a. Uh, oh, Wally that's is coming be back. The dawn of a new era. Yeah, Keenan Lonsdale is coming back. Get it? Get it? Uh, um. Yeah. So. Anyway, in order to save Chester, Barry has to run really fast into a black hole and science, science, science before running back out. Uh, Millie, any thoughts on that scene? Um, maybe specifically, uh, if you want to talk about uh, what you thought about the uh, use of the theme to the movie Flash Gordon by Queen. Which they've probably been sitting on for five seasons, as uh, as Cisco said. So I probably will show my youth, but I had no idea that was like a Queen song. I just thought it, it would fit well. Um, I know that Twitter was all about the song. I thought it was fun, and I think that was kind of the return of Flash going back to the the fun part of what we liked about season one. And I love that Cisco is the one that did it because I think that it it's more in character of him, right? He's been a little out out of character the last season or so. So I really enjoyed that. I think it was definitely um, added to it. Um, I think the whole idea of Barry running into the black hole was interesting. I don't know. For me, it was, I felt like it played a little more on the overdramatic, like, is he going to make it? Maybe I'm a little on the pessimistic side, but I mean, it's episode one. Barry's going to come out of the black hole. It might just take a couple seconds longer. So I was, this is, there wasn't as suspenseful for me. I don't know if you guys felt the same. Professor Millie called you old. I hope you realize that. 
Oh, it's been duly noted. Don't worry. I mean, I'm not so old that my ears are failing, or even if they are, I just crank up the volume on the uh, uh, the podcasting. These these do hookies that you young people are using. Hey, hey, there's some young people on my lawn. I have to go chase them off. Um, uh, what did uh, the rest of the panel think about uh, the use of the Queen song and also that scene uh, of Barry? I think we're we're all in agreement with Millie. I mean, none of us thought that you know Barry was in any real danger. You know, science, science, science. My speed force is far stronger than gravitation. Yeah, sure, whatever, Barry. Uh, but what did you think about uh, the uh, uh, the way the scene played out and just you know the visuals of it? It was cool. I... Yeah, oh, go ahead, Dimitri. No, oh no, Jeff, after you. No, I was just gonna say it was cool. Like I, I thought uh, the the music was cool. I thought sort of like Cisco's like over dramatic nature of like I've been waiting since day one for this. And Candace Patton, I think, played played uh, off of him really well. And then she was like, "Oh yeah, sure, sure. You know, that's right." Like I, I liked that moment. It, it was uh, it was a little campy, not gonna lie, but campy in like a good kind of way. And uh, I thought the effect was pretty neat. Um, all of the effects, the effects with the black holes, uh, were, were really neat. And then at the end with Chester's like eyes and that kind of stuff, I, I thought everything was kind of on point for the episode. And, and yeah, like I, I didn't think Barry was going to die. I, I mean, clearly we all know when Barry's going to die and it was not going to be in this episode. Uh, in the end, Chester saved, but has to be kept on ice for a few months. It was kind of interesting that earlier in the episode, they they sort of pointedly introduced this uh, this new technology, this uh, you know uh, mental uh, device, and I thought they were you know it was sort of going to be a uh, Chekhov's gun situation where you know Barry would be able to use it to uh, to fight the uh, the monitor by, monitor by looking at all the. Uh, uh, outcomes, but instead, it looks like they're going to use that to keep Chester safe, thus conveniently taking that very valuable bit of technology off the table, probably until about December 10th. Uh, Barry and Nora have a moment to reflect on Nora before the Anthony Monitor shows up to tell Barry he's toast in a few months, specifically December 10th, 2019, which is the Flash's episode uh, of Crisis. Uh, we talked about how Crisis would play out in the various Arrowverse shows, uh, you know, how big a part it was going to play, and we were all kind of agreeing that it would probably play, you know, uh, a very big role in, uh, in Arrow and Flash, probably a smaller role uh, in the other shows. Uh, so obviously here it looks like it's going to be front and center for Flash, so I'm just going to open this up to the floor. How do you think Barry's going to deal with this death sentence, and how will the show deal with balancing Crisis story time with big bad story time, because we do have you know, uh, presumably our, our metas of the week, and we have, you know, the, the Caitlin storyline. Uh, we have, uh, you know, a big bad who's going to have to be dealt with. How, are, how do you think they're going to be able to balance that going forward? Because we don't have that many episodes until December 10th. Well, hopefully they spent their time over the summer mapping things out appropriately. Uh, I think they can do it. Uh, I mean, they do have a lot to do. They have um, a big bad that's going to be around for the first half of the season up until Crisis, so they'll have to deal with that situation. They, uh, I would assume, would still have maybe a meta of the week here and there, so there's that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do sort of like um, the, uh, well... His villainous name is Bloodwork, if I'm not mistaken. So if they do Bloodwork like every other episode, maybe just a little bit during the episodes in which there's a meta of the week, uh, where we see him doing something nefarious or something like that, and then we get him a little bit more to the forefront in the following episode or something of, the, of that nature. Um, but uh, I, I, I feel like they're going to do... Well, I hope. I can't say I feel like. I hope that they find the proper balance because we do need... Uh, more teasers for Crisis. Like, we need uh, to uh, get our characters to, to, like, fully comprehend the uh, threat that is looming. Not just about Barry, but, like, what is actually going to happen when this crisis occurs. I like that we have a date. Are we sure that's the monitor? Are we sure that's the anti-monitor? Dude. That's what I was wondering. I, you know, now that we know the same actors playing both, I'm. That's why I specifically didn't mention by name because mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm not sure who this is actually. Because I don't know who that is either. Uh, because clearly there's somebody out there doing something with Oliver Queen, and is that the monitor? Is that the anti-monitor? And uh, this person did not even reference that Oliver Queen is trying to save the day or try to to, to spare. Uh, both him and Kara's lives. So that was kind of interesting. 
uh, Kara over on Supergirl doesn't yet know that her life is being threatened by this crisis. So that'll be interesting to see her reaction to that. Um, and uh, and uh, the, the showrunners did do some interviews afterwards uh, on some of the more popular entertainment websites. And um, they mentioned that at some point... Uh, Barry and Kara will learn that Oliver has made a deal and um, and their reaction to that is going to be kind of interesting especially because as of this point Barry feels like he's going to die and uh, and and that's what they think so uh, what does that mean going forward but the teaser was pretty damn awesome. I'm here for it. We need more teasers. We need more information. I feel like all the shows, like, they need to do a really good job of preparing their audience for what's to come, especially if it is going to be what we all think it's going to be, and, and that's all the Earths are going to merge into one. If you just watch one show, you might be kind of confused. So I hope they properly explain it for the people. Uh, anyone else have some thoughts on uh, how crisis is going to impact uh, uh, the show going forward? I'm I'm kind of excited for I'm just kind of glad they have another sort of big looming storyline. I uh, I think last season was a prime example of what goes wrong when you have a big bad and nothing else to do, and it just felt so stretched and so sort of contrived. So I'm I'm fine with maybe uh, Barry addressing crisis while Bloodwork is building up his strength or whatever. I I think even with this much more charismatic uh, big bad this season, I I don't I think a season is a long time to stretch out one villain. Well, and again, getting back to what we were saying before about there being a new showrunner, uh, he did say that there's actually going to be two big bads. So Bloodwork will be, I think, the first half season mm-hmm. uh, big bad, and then you know, there will be some someone new, oh, new or okay. something completely different in the second half. So I think they have learned from that. They're listening uh, to which me. Is, yeah, so you know, all, all your complaining has finally paid off, Dimitri. Uh, Millie, what do you think? I think that like with the whole... I think, you know, story or part A and part B of the season, I think it's really going to help concentrate the storyline um, and balancing it. I feel like everything in the first half of The Flash is working towards crisis. So I feel like, um, Jeff said, I think they mapped really well, and I feel like they're going to have those, like, tricky, like, those sneaky things where they all kind of intertwine with what's looming come December 10th in that sense. Um, so I think that that will be interesting to see because I feel like they're all going to play together. Um, with Barry's reaction, I'm kind of interested in in the fact that the monitor is telling him or who we think is the monitor is telling him that he's going to die. And Barry's like, oh, I'm not going to leave my family. So I'm, I'm curious if he's going to come to terms with that. Is that going to be the crux of his kind of dilemma for the first half of this season? Um, and then at the same time. Uh, is the monitor playing both Barry and Oliver for some specific reason? Or, or is it, like you said, maybe an anti-monitor's at play, too? So I think there's a lot of questions on how, um, particularly our two big superheroes of the of the universe are being kind of played at the moment. Uh, and also something that uh, occurred to me for the first time uh, when Jeff was talking is, you know, we've got this anti-monitor and the monitor, and they're both played by the same character, and we're not entirely sure when we see them. Who's who? Because I don't think we've technically, we don't think we've met the anti-monitor yet. But I, what I was thinking was, you know, what if Ollie is working for the wrong side? You know, what if he's working for this oh. guy who he thinks is the good guy who's trying to save the universe, but in fact, he's on the other side of things? Well, damn. That's a game changer. If it, if it happened. Again, I, I think that's going a little too high, especially because we haven't met the anti-monitor yet. But wouldn't that be, you know, a hell of a, uh, a reveal for Ollie to find out, you know, he's he's doing this, you know, and, you know, what made me think was, you know, uh, Jeff saying, you know, he's made a deal, and I was saying, oh, deal with the devil, perhaps. Um, so before we move on to the MVP section, is there anything else in the episode that anyone wanted to mention? Shout out to, uh, and I apologize for not knowing her name, the actress who plays Camilla, I felt perfectly matched the energy of the episode and was displaying some, like, real instant chemistry i'm kind of glad we got to skip the whole like oh awkward introduction hey barry's the flash like she's just like oh just drop her in she's part of the team now and i feel like she's rolling with it really well so great job on that 
Yeah, and that was a smart use of the four-month time jump. You know, it allowed, you know, so, you know, we don't have to go through the Joe settling into his new job and and uh, uh, and the, the fumbling early stages of the relationship and, and all the reveals that have to go with it. So, yeah, I'm with you. I thought that worked well, and, and she's good. I think, uh, you know, it, it's it's always tricky for them uh, on this show to, uh, uh, or, or it has traditionally been tricky for them, uh, at least early on, uh, to, to write well for the, the female characters. It usually takes a while for them to discover that. Uh, anyone else have anything they wanted to say? There was one line that Cisco had said that I felt like just seemed very uh, not Cisco was when they were debating about what to do about Chester and the whole black hole. And, and Barry's like, we have to save him and save everybody. And Cisco's kind of like he gave up because it, we might have to sacrifice Chester. if That is how we're going to protect everybody else. And I thought that was a little odd because I feel like Cisco is always behind wanting to save everyone. So the fact that he had made that passing comment where maybe we need to give up now. I thought that was a little weird, not very Cisco-esque. Yeah, and it's not like this is the first time they faced a threat to the city. You know, they, they've, they've dealt with these things in the past. So it did seem a little, uh, yeah, a little odd. But, I mean, again, they, they were doing things for story purposes. Something we talked about in the past is when you do things for story purposes rather than character purposes. In this case, I don't think it was true to Cisco's character, but it was necessary for story purposes because they had to push Barry uh, into his little mini breakdown to show how he's dealing with Nora. So, yeah, I agree with you. It didn't seem in character. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you sometimes have to do to get to where you want to go with the story. Much like Cisco not wanting his powers, that didn't <laughs> necessarily seem in character. Yeah, oh, and I did like the fact that there was a little reference to that here with him, you know, just that little... Uh, and again, they, they sort of played it for laughs, but him saying, you know, well, you know, having to, you know, take the, the Star Labs van and then uh, seal off some ride. Oh, it'd be like my mom's there. And she basically just, well, fine, you can walk. Uh, wait, no, I take it back. Uh, I thought that was you know, nicely done. Uh, you know, they're, they're not uh, completely abandoning that. Okay, time for the MVP. Uh, state which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Millie, you're new, but you also called me old, so Dimitri... No, Millie, you can go first. You're still new. All right, I did not mean to call you old. I'm just on the... I say I'm young. I'm calling myself out. <laughs> um, I'd say my MVP is Ramsey. Uh, as Dimitri said, uh, he's very handsome, so I, I mean that kind of swayed my opinion a bit. But I think he'll pose as a very interesting big bad for them. I like the the intricate backstory that he has. Where he said he, he wants to cure cancer, maybe for selfish reasons, but you can't really harp on that. So I think he's kind of a villain you might want to root for. So I'm curious to see how they're going to take his route. Dimitri, who is your MVP and why? Real quick, I respect Millie for calling herself out. Like, he's handsome. That might sway my opinion. Meanwhile, we're all just like, we love Candace Patton because she's an amazing actress. And that's the only reason, as if we're not swayed by the same concerns. Um, My MVP is Cisco. I, I 100% agree that the we might have to sacrifice him line did seem a little on Cisco, but... Uh, I think, you know, it was one of those scenarios where someone definitely had to say it to add gravitas to the situation. Other than that, I feel like this has been a fantastic return to the Cisco we love after a very un-Cisco Cisco last season. I'm almost thinking like, hey, I'm cool with him losing his powers if it means we get our old Cisco back because he is absolutely on point. Uh, I feel like he had the most sort of jokes this episode and like his comedic timing the effect uh the way him and candace played off each other when he was like he's about to go into black hole and she's like okay good point like it was it was all just perfect it was the reason we all love cisco and i'm i'm so glad to see him getting back to himself jeff who is your mvp and why all right before i i give my mvp i feel like the professor will allow this quick little detour so because frosty's in charge there is no more keiko right uh, I guess it would be Frostco. You could just call it Frostbite. Um, I will I will say to our listeners that this may be the one time I'm willing to eat my words. One, Frosty's in charge, and oh dear God. But also, I think Camilla is such a, uh endearing character that I'm, I'm willing to abandon uh, Keiko and say Cisco you you did good uh, she she's good we like her we we want her to stay on uh and if killer frost is in charge you uh you definitely stick to camilla you don't need that in your life 
Um, so I am rescinding my support for Keiko while Camilla is present. Wow, that's it's called character growth. I like it. Okay, so my MVP is uh, I can't believe Dimitri didn't pick her, but I'm I know get, me too. I'm yeah. just thinking, you know, you could use your spirit animal here and and your choice would still be taken. I know, right? Um I yeah, I'm would not say his spirit animal. I know. Well, that's he said it. So that was uh Caucasian nonsense. But um what was I going to say? Um I'm going to give it to Candace Patton. Like I had to. Like I was completely like just sucked into her emotional turmoil. Like I bought it. I I love when uh, well, I don't want to say I love when 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 Iris is sad, but she just does it really well. Like uh, she she does a good job with it. Like I loved her emoting. I loved uh uh the the character development that she got in this episode allowing her to um completely accept the fact that she has to grieve her daughter um i I loved the smaller moments with all the characters um like even just the subtle looks like um it it just i don't know I, i felt like everyone stepped their game up when they were with her um this episode so uh, i'm gonna give it to iris west allen and my mvp goes to chester i thought he was an absolute breath of fresh air um, you know, I, I, I look forward to him being around. I think there's a lot they can do with him. Uh, and I just love that, you know, uh, that enthusiasm for science, that, uh, that energetic, uh, take that he had on it, uh, was, was delightful. And it's sort of like, you know, if you think back, you know, uh, early on, we sort of got a little bit of that, you know, Cisco was, you know, when, you know, he's more of a mechanical engineer than a scientist, but you know, that, uh, that, uh, that wide-eyed enthusiasm, uh, for the cool things you can do with science, uh, I thought was a really nice touch. And it's easy for the, the Flash crew to get a little jaded because of all they've seen and all they've done. Uh, but to have that fresh set of eyes uh, come in and, uh, and be there to comment on it, uh, I think will be great. So it's time to rate. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive this in the Flash Museum. Jeff, let's start with you. What is your rating? Ah, oh, fuck my life, really? Um, okay. So, um, we didn't even talk about Ralph and the Sue Dearborn lady, which um, I'm not a comic book person, but I do know that that is his love interest in the comic books, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, she becomes Sue Dibney. And okay. they become a, a very long-standing uh, and beloved couple in the uh, the DC universe. So there you go. So I just wanted to give a little shout-out to Ralph. I will say, I, I thought it was a very good hour of television. I thought the storyline was really interesting. The introduction to the villain for the first half of the season was pretty damn good. I loved the chemistry of the cast. I love uh, the the new additions and, and um, sort of like the, the, the returning people that, that are now sort of like a permanent part of the team. And the teaser for Crisis was really good as well. There might have been a couple of things that, that might have brought the episode down just a little bit. But for the most part, it was a really good season premiere, a very rewatchable episode. So I'm going to give it a solid nine. Uh, Dimitri, how would you rate this episode? It might be that um, compared to last season, it looks really good, but I thought this was such a spectacular return to form. Only reason I'm not putting it in the Flash Museum is because it uh, I, I wasn't really feeling the like Nora grief wallowy sort <laughs> of aspect. But um, other than that, I'm going to give this episode a 10. I really, love many... it. Dimitri's like, I'm not going to let you grieve your daughter because I didn't like her. That is exactly how I feel. <laughs> Millie, how many lightning bolts do you give this episode? As I say, I'm kind of on Dimitri's side where I don't know about the whole giving time to grieve for Nora. Wow. Um, and some of those I felt, some of the the, the Iris and Barry interactions uh, kind of missed the beat for me. Um, but overall, I think it was really a solid premiere. Um, I think it's setting up for an interesting season six, especially considering what we had last season. Um, so I would give it like a solid 8.1. Oh, 
Um, and I'm going to come in uh, about where uh, Millie did. Um, I, I, I liked uh, I didn't like it quite as much. Uh, there were you know, some things that we've already mentioned uh, that I wasn't crazy about. I did like the fact that we found out it's pronounced yacht, not yacked. That's good to know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm going to come in at an eight. I thought it was it was solid. It was setting things up nicely. But yeah, there were just uh, some things that took me out of it. And uh, uh, I wasn't quite as enthusiastic as uh, as Jeff or Dimitri. Uh, so join us next time for a brand new installment of The Central City Citizen. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Central City Citizen. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Central City Citizen and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. Co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Millie? Hope you all have a good night. Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitter at the Asian Nerd if you want to hear more uh, random comic book grumblings. Dimitri? Good night, Central City. If you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I am at brownbaldbeauty, all lowercase and all true. I live tweet The Flash, and I am not on this podcast currently, but I also live tweet Black Lightning. Would love to interact with y'all in the Twitterverse. Uh, Jeff, where can people follow your appropriations of Native American culture? I know, right? Well, it's simply at Poppy Chulo Radio. Uh, I'm all over social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of The Central City Citizen every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Good night.